What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, baby. Hello, my love. What'd you say O oh, for? Oh, nothing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, ready for another episode. Yeah. Of Turn Me On Podcast. Turn me on. Turn me on. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> we had a lovely little movie date this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I... I got my second dose of the vaccine a couple of days ago and uh and it completely fucked me up so hardcore that for about almost 48 hours I had like a fever and I was uh, I was just a mess. <clears throat> so a, anyway, what yep. a diva your immune system is. I know. What a, I just got mine and um I can only lift my arm about 30%. Uh, I got mine this morning. I wonder how you'll feel tomorrow. I know, me too. <laughs> but the reason I was saying is that, that is because uh, this morning I woke up and it was, um, it was uh, fucking... Hardly morning. Hardly morning. I woke up because ha- I've, I've gotten basically no sleep. 
mm-hmm. in the last little bit. Um, and so you texted me and asked if you wanted to hang out. So you came over in the afternoon when I had finally woken up. And we watched a documentary that we had talked about watching. Yeah, it's been on the radar for a little bit. A little while ago. But man, I was not prepared for what um, for what we watched. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give the, the audience a little insight into what we did? Yeah. So this morning we watched um, a documentary called Ask Dr. Ruth. And some of you probably know what we're talking about just right off the bat when we say that. Um, and for those of you who don't, Dr. Ruth is a, um, is, would you say German Jewish or Jewish German? She's a Jewish, Jewish woman from Germany, but she lives in the United States and she has since I think the 1950s or forties. Um, and she is known as like America's beloved sex therapist. Mm -hmm. She's been on the air, um, on the airwaves since 1980. Um, She's basically like Canada's version of, uh, of her is Dr. Sue. Mm -hmm. And she's, yeah, sorry. I cut we need you off to, we need to find a we need to find a documentary on Dr. Sue because if she's anything like Dr. Ruth, wow, what a story that lady has to tell. So she she it's in 2021 now. She's 93 years old, just turned 93 in early June. And um and for, it seems like since the moment she was born to the very day of today <laughs> She has never once fallen below 100% energy. Oh my um, God. It, she's got, so, she's such a spry lady for 90. Mm-hmm. It, well, now 93. Yeah. But at the time, 80, 89 and 90 during the documentary. And um, a survivor of the Holocaust, mm-hmm. um, like a handful of our favorite sexual educators are. Mm-hmm. Um, really fascinating correlation there between that kind of trauma and tragedy and also this ability to like thrive and rise and live this like very full life. Mm -hmm. But, um, so, so many of you, if you, if you do know who Dr. Ruth is, you've probably heard, you know, she's like sort of an advice giver on the air. Um, I just talked tons and all of the celebrities been on all the late night shows, um, and is, has never, ever been, uh, um, caught without a response, I, th- I think, to yeah. questions that she's, she's asked. Uh, she's really, really passionate about what she does. And yeah. And the, so the, the, what was the doc called again? It was, ask uh, Dr. Ruth. Ask Dr. Ruth. So I, I obviously, I, I knew who Dr. Ruth was, but the, I mean, the, first of all, the documentary like I would, I would honestly, if you're listening, I would never say this, but if you're listening right now, just stop, like <laughs> stop the podcast and go find this. It's on who, if you're in the States, it's, it's a Hulu doc. If you're in Canada, I don't know, you might be able to find it on Crave. I'm not going to say I illegally downloaded it, um, but, uh, <laughs> but it is, first of all, the documentary is so well done. It's mm-hmm. such a, it is such a well done documentary. But the the background information and and like the the life this woman has led is so inspiring. 
Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's so heartwarming. And, um, <clears throat> um, she is just, she's just such a special human being. Like she's just such a sweet, beautiful, caring, lovely individual who really, <clears throat> really like changed. It, it, it was, it was when I was walking, watching the doc, I remember thinking two things. First of all, I was like, God bless this woman for existing. But then secondly, I, I, I also felt really sad mm-hmm. because it was like, um, I don't want to say that she, that she was the only one out there that was like trying to change the conversation surrounding sex. But like she really, she really was the only person in the limelight doing that. Right. There's all, there was all, there's all these people that were doing it sort of, um, academically and, and, and scientifically. And, um, but, but like, she really was a voice that did not exist. And it's a bummer because there wasn't more, there weren't more Mm -hmm. people like her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I was just so enthralled by, by the documentary and the things that the change that she was, uh, that she was able to, to kind of like bring to the, to the forefront when it came to, um, when it came to like having open, unapologetic, um, meaningful dialogue surrounding sexual communication. Mm-hmm. You know, like she just, she was just, she's, she is, she is such a fucking phenom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and whatever, like all controversy aside, like if, if you're one of those people that's listening right now and you're like, yeah, but I've heard like, you know, there's like, she had a controversial thing that she said once, ah, go, you know, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like she, that, that woman, that woman is, is so, she's so important. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I think too, like, given the world that we live in and what we've all sort of just been through, it was really inspiring to watch someone who's been through it all. Mm. Um, Such tragedy and Mm. has uh, this spirit that seems young and excited and inspired and full of purpose Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of us are are probably struggling to just like feel normal um, after what we've just gone through. But she she's it's just it's just so fascinating to watch someone who's who's risen and and created this full life of meaning and purpose and um, managed to like stay in her lane. Mm. You know, um, she actually I read I found an article just just after we watched that. Um, from May of this year. So just before her 93rd birthday and, uh, and it's called, um, advice from Dr. Ruth stay positive to get through the pandemic. And, uh, I'll just read you a few, a few of her, her thoughts on this. Yeah. So number one, focus on the good. She says, I know that it was a difficult year. I know that everyone has to respect the first responders and everyone has to respect and remember the people who did not make it. But I want to tell people right now to take a deep breath and concentrate on the positive. Please, if you are talking to your family and friends, make an effort not to talk about the difficult times. If you're negative, 
they are going to be reluctant to pick up the phone when you call again. <laughs> However, if you say, how fortunate we have survived this very difficult time. Now let's make something positive out of it. We can't change, but we have the power to make the best of it. Embrace nature. Teach your grandchildren positivity. Take small steps. She says everyone should respect their anxiety. Do what you have to do to acclimate. Maybe take a walk around the block. Maybe go to a bar somewhere you have not been for over a year. Don't do anything dangerous, but do something every day that's a small step towards normalization. Mm. Get help if needed. So she says, if you realize your feelings really overwhelm you, if you stop being interested in the usual things, if you can only think of gloom, then you should think about getting professional help. I am fortunate because I am so busy that there's no space for getting depressed. But when I get down, I call a professional and talk. Um, she says, tend your uh, romantic relationships. Fantasize to lift your mood. She says, I'm going to share a fantasy of mine with you. It helps me. So I can't ski anymore, but I fantasize about this. I put on my best ski outfit. It's like a red parka. And I get a good looking ski instructor with a ski mobile. <laughs> I go up the mountain on the ski mobile and hold on to him tight. It might be a G rated fantasy. Then at the top of the mountain, I stay on the ski mobile and we go down with the good looking ski instructor. I don't get out of the ski mobile. <laughs> my favorite thing in the doc was like when she so they go through all of her like past lovers mm. and one of the one of the one of the fucking cutest things so like you know she she was a 10 year old girl when in the 30s when hitler took power mm -hmm. and um <clears throat> her father this is like early early days when they started rounding up the jews and her father got picked up um, ordered into a truck and she was left with her grandmother and her mother. And her father was sent to a concentration camp and she ends up receiving a postcard from him that basically instructs her that there's going to be a group of children um, that are going to be rescued from Germany, <clears throat> Jewish children, that will be shipped to an orphanage in Switzerland. <clears throat> and, um, you know, she obviously she's reluctant to leave uh, but she, she knows she has to, and she, she goes to this orphanage. And of course, that's the last time she sees her, she, she goes alone. She, she, her grandmother and her mother stay in Germany. <clears throat> it's the last time she sees her parents. They, they all end up getting shipped off to, um, concentration camps. And <clears throat> she's at this orphanage and as like a 13 year old, she, um, falls in love with a boy at the orphanage. It's her first boyfriend. Mm. And in the documentary, there's a moment where um, she now lives in New York and she goes and she visits her first boyfriend. And, he, you know, he's like, he's, he's like 86 or 85 and she's 89. And uh, she sits down at this table with him and his wife is there too. Right. And they just reminisce about their like early love. <clears throat> and he was the one that like, um, he basically was, was they were breaking the rules at this orphanage. They weren't allowed to have relationships and he was, uh, and the girls didn't really have, um, an education there. Mm -hmm. And so he would like sneak her books and he would teach her the things that he would learn that day. And, and she would just retain all this information. And, you know, she was, she, she was like talking to him about, 
their kit, their first kiss. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she leans in and she goes, I will tell you one thing. I remember, I still to this day remember the taste of those kisses. And like they both giggle, you know, it's like the <laughs> fucking cutest thing ever. But the, the thing that I loved about the documentary is every single time she talked about a past lover. Oh my God, I know. She would, she would be like, and then I met Franz and he was so absolutely handsome. gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And then like every, every <laughs> fucking guy that she like had had an affair with or slept with or married, they were all in her eyes just absolutely gorgeous. Stunning. And they actually were like, they would they show were. photos of these men and I'm like, Jesus Christ, she was, she was slaying. She was really, yeah. she had a lot she of really was beautiful. beautiful lovers. She was, she, she was a really beautiful girl. And, and <clears> when <throat> she, when she said she never really felt beautiful, I was like, oh my God. She was so cute. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she, she really, uh, uh, aside from the incredible life that she lived when she moved to America and became this like phenom, this celebrity, her life before that. I don't want to give anything away. No, no, and I won't say anything else. But like her life before that really is just jaw dropping. There is a moment fucking wild. Your jaw will drop. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And we can't give it away, but it's so badass. And the cool thing too is like you know she's kept everything and she has all of her journals Mm. from that like time of her life from like ten on and all the letters from her family and whatnot. It's yeah. it, I've never been one to fantasize about growing old, mm. but watching this woman live her life and talk about her life and then like currently living her life now as like a 90 year old woman made me so, it totally shifted my perspective on like. Being old. Yeah. But being old, yeah. you know, and like, and, and. I, cause I, I, I have this, like, I obviously have this fucked up vision of being old, <clears throat> um, due to, you know, the circumstances of living with CF and stuff and my, my outlook on death and whatever, but she really makes it exciting. She makes the idea of be of growing old, exciting, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that it, it, it isn't, it doesn't have to be this like <clears throat> painful, torturous physically exhausting thing like she she just makes it look so she makes growing old look so good um oh, i love her so much <laughs> i just like i want to fucking hug her so bad um i want to i want to read you a couple of um of other i don't know if these are her top 15 tips i'm only going to read a couple of them um this is from an article in the guardian but they really made me laugh um one of them is i do suggest that people have sex before they go out to dinner that's when I feel like we really need to get a handle on. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, th- this is a great one. Uh, you don't have to share your fantasies. If you have sex with your partner and the woman is thinking about a whole football team of in bed with her, that's okay. But keep your mouth shut about it. <laughs> um, mm. I don't know about this one. Men want stronger sperm. <clears throat> Eat walnuts. Okay. Make up your own events, like an onion ring tossed onto an erect penis. <laughs> she's really, um, she's really on uh, on the screen on the screen thing. She is. There's no disguising her feelings. She put down the screen and yeah. get to know each other. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, Esther Perel's big on that one too. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm big on that one. 
In nursing homes, I would like to make sure that there's a dating room with a sign, like in a hotel, that says, do not disturb. <laughs> there's a need for caressing and being held Ooh. at every age. She said, parade your body in front of your partner. Show it off. Try to feel good about it. I haven't read this one. You're on a business trip. <laughs> you go out to dinner with a coworker. You each have too much to drink and end up having sex, even though you're both married. You have no feelings for this person. You both regret what happened, and you promise yourself that you'll never let this happen again. Do you tell your spouse? I say you don't. No matter how well your spouse takes this news, it'll leave a scar on your relationship. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I, I think the other thing I love too is not love, but something that made me think about was, you know, they're showing a lot of uh, a lot of um, past uh, footage mm. of inter interviews that she's done or doing when she was, you know, back in the eighties and, you know, she's having, she's having, she's, she's saying things on the air that at the time were like, um, you know, huge liability for like NBC and things yeah, like giving that. Giving advice. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the things like there was, there was a couple of shots where she's having conversations with whether it be, you know, Conan O'Brien or, um, uh, there was one celebrity. I, I wasn't. It was like an MTV interview. I, I I didn't know who she was. Julie, Julie something. She looked like maybe a, a a singer, but like she would say these things. She would ask them like questions about their sexuality, or or whatever. And you can see the, um, you can see the, the pure horror on this person's face, and not because it's like oh my god, I'm being I'm being asked by a grandma about my sexuality, but more like I'm sure there there's part of that in, in, in the, the reaction that they're having, but more so what is overwhelming is the reaction of like the, the, this deep seated embarrassment about talking about sex. Like it's such a taboo topic and that is something that, I mean, I think it's a, obviously it's a, <clears throat> it's definitely a byproduct of this show for us, but I think it's always been a, a, an inherent part of our lives where we haven't really had much of a struggle talking openly about sex with peers, with friends, with family, I mean, you know, whatever. And and when I was seeing this, like this innate reaction from people back in the eighties being horrified in talking about their sexuality, I was reminded that like, <clears throat> that we still like, that is still a, a, a problem today. Mm -hmm. Like there's still, like I've still, to this day, I've had partners that just like, can't talk about sex that are that are so that are so stuck in in this inability to express whether it's like what they what they need how they like to be pleasured <clears throat> even when given the opportunity even when like it, even when being in like a really safe space and having like a really um intimate heart to heart about about 
these types of topics, people still like really deeply struggle with talking openly about the the pleasure that they want or need or like to receive. <clears throat> and um and I think that's one of the reasons why I was so uh, why I felt this like profound sadness because we still live in a time where like sex is just not being taught. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not being, the conversations aren't being had with youth even today. And so if that's happening today, it's going to still be like this 20 years from now, you know, like there's gotta be this massive shift. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. I just, I hope, I hope we start to see a change in that because it's, it's, it causes so much, it causes so much grief. It causes so much hardship in relationships. You know, it's such a, it's what, like, what's that quote? Like where, or was it our therapist that told us that like couples fight? There's three things that couples typically fight about, which is sex relationship or sorry, sex, money, and other people encroaching on the relationship. And like, Mm-hmm. That that notion that like sex is such a hard conversation, hard topic to to broach with a with a romantic partner is just <clears throat> is just so mind blowing to me because it's it's such a it's such a vital part of love. It's not it's not a, a <clears throat> part of us that a lot of get a lot of us get to develop in a healthy normal way, and so mm-hmm. we find ourselves later in life having all of this undoing, all mm. this unlearning to do because the subject of sex mostly just gets handed to you with a whole bunch of other people's baggage. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it, and it also occurs to me too, that as long as we are shamed by that, we'll continue. And it's funny because you can look around and you're like, but sex is everywhere and sex sells and everything's like totally exploitive of sex. But there's Mm. something about that. That's like, we're going to continue. It's going to continue to be exploited Mm. and commodified unless we can really get to the, like the realness and the humanness Mm. um, of it. And just like accept that we can't like be everything but sexual. Like that is all a part of. It's all part of love. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, this is, I mean, this is, this is a good, it, not to, not that we're going to segue now to our conversation, but this is like, this is kind of a, 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 one of the key elements to the conversation that we have today with our guest, Lily, uh, who's the, the founder of EXO Afterglow. And, um, you know, this idea of like finding a new way to encourage sexual exploration with a partner mm. through the use of, uh, through the use of, of porn, um, and emerging, what I really loved about her message is the merging between wellness and yes, and porn. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is a really unique, a unique, unique angle. I was thinking about, I was thinking about Lily too while we were watching this because I was thinking, Doctor Ruth's first. So she was working in like for Planned Parenthood for a while. She was, um, she she was just like really in that in that world before she was ever being given a a microphone. Yeah. Um, but when she was given a microphone, uh, in 1981, I believe she would have been for over 40 years old. 
And so yeah, thinking yeah. about that with Lily and thinking about that with like, turn me on, not to say that turn me on is going to last another 70 years, but like, I think it will. After watching that documentary, I think it will now. <laughs> it's got legs. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some short little legs. Yeah. Um, that's the running joke of the whole uh, video too, of the whole movie as well as how tiny she is. She's, She's so little. Four foot seven. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the, one of the interesting things that came up while we were watching the, the, um, the doc at the, at the condo there was, um, there was like this brief moment where they were kind of, it was like a montage of callers that were calling into a radio show. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was people calling in to be like, Hey, like I, I, Wondering I, if I should buy a vibrator. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if I should like get a vibrator for my wife, or um, uh, you know, questions about abortion or mm-hmm. questions about you know whatever. <clears throat> there was one guy that called in, talking about his his penis being too big, and he was like, "I have a 14 inch penis, and uh, I have a lot of problems. Like, you know, it, it's it, it it's too big, and uh, it's, women are intimidated. Women are intimidated." And, I would imagine. Yeah. And you, and you were like 14 inches. How long is that? And I pulled out a measuring <laughs> tape to show you and you were like, no. that's, that's impossible. There's no way. And I was like, there, it is possible. It, there, it, there is a way. And it's funny that that came up because, um, I found one of the things I wanted to talk about on the show today, um, <laughs> which, which I found before we even watched the doc, um, was this article from vice, uh, about this subreddit, um, with, with people that have like, big dick problems. Okay. Um, and I want to, I want to read to you this article. So inside the subreddit where people with big dicks discuss big dick problems. This is by, uh, Jashri Kumar, uh, from the, from vice. <clears throat> I found this really, really interesting. Um, for many people from this subreddit, uh, this situation is all too familiar, which is that, you know, the, so, okay, I, I skipped the first paragraph there because I didn't think it was relevant. But porn videos often start with something like this. After some heavy petting, the man starts to remove his pants and then his underwear, revealing what many folks in the industry call a monster cock, making the woman <laughs> exclaim how big it is. For many people from this subreddit, this situation is all too familiar, except the other person's surprise is less to do with, the ex- with excitement and more to do with horror and shock. The subreddit r slash big dick problems, also known as BDP, on Reddit is exactly what it claims to be an online community where people with big dicks talk at length <laughs> about what it's like. <laughs> it's, that's really, I, I really like that at length about what it's like <laughs> to be well endowed and the big bulge problems it brings forth set up in August, 2011. The almost decade old subreddit is now at 200,000 members <gasps> quote. It started off as a space for memes says the community's co-founder Bo from the U S East coast. But it didn't take long before it aroused real questions on penis size and the difficulties that come with having a big dick. Like all other r slash big dick problems members, we've spoken for this piece. Bo, uh, Bo requested the, to use this, a pseudonym because he didn't feel comfortable discussing their genitals in public. Quote, we still have jokes about toilets that are filled way too high because it's annoying when the toilet water touches your dick, said Bo. But today, the subreddit is more about the difficulties with the toilet seat. People here reveal the issues they face in their... Uh, Sorry, but today, the subreddit is is more than about the difficulties with the toilet seat. People here reveal the issues they face in their sex life. 
insecurities, body image issues, and mental health. Some accuse people of lying or bragging if they say they have a big dick, but this community is a safe space for everyone. In a world that unfairly equates cock size with virility, the subreddit has grown to become a support group for people with long schlongs around the world. <laughs> it includes people of all sexualities and gives them a space to talk about their problems without being sexualized. Members have spotted fetishists and size queens on the forum, but they are usually reported and blocked. The community itself, though, does not have a size limit. Heck, you don't even need to have a penis here, re reads the about section on the subreddit. 18-year-old Kabir, a student from Mumbai, India, stumbled upon the subreddit after struggling to find the right fit for condoms. Quote, the ones I've found have been uncomfortable, he told Vice. Quote, I use an, I use an XXL condom, but it's still tight at the base. Limited condom options in India don't make the situation any better. Hmm. <clears throat> Kabir reveals that he has yet to have sex, but he's worried about accidentally hurting his partner, a concern that echoes several others on the community. Quote, I'm grateful for this subreddit because there are healthy conversations about around male sexuality and penis size. It's hard to find something like this. Luca, a 24-year-old post-grad student from Milan, Italy, has spoken on this group about hooking up with someone in the past who'd start bleeding as a result of his big penis, despite having taken precautions like using lube and engaging in foreplay. Years later, the problem occurred again with his current boyfriend. Quote, the first time was painful for the both of us he said about having sex with his current partner. For him, because he wasn't used to someone of my size, and for me, because when someone's tight, it literally squeezes my penis and makes it hurt. Almost a year and a half later, they've finally found ways to have painless sex. Quote, but, when we went through long, but we went through long periods of not having sex. I was filled with anxiety and self-loathing because I'd thought I'd hurt him and didn't deserve to be with him. Now what works for us is fingering, rimming, and foreplay. After that, I penetrate him, but let it remain like that even but but let it remain like that even if it's halfway. Since I'm girthier at the base, I never go balls deep. <laughs> Painful sex is something Penelope, a 29-year-old transgender woman from the US East Coast who co-founded the subreddit, has experienced this too. Quote, my first sexual experience involved vaginal tears and more blood than we expected. She said over email, I had no idea some, I had no idea that something I had to watch out that I had no idea that was something I had to watch out for. Jesus, Jeremy, learn how to read the concept of being too big to fit seemed regulated to porn and power fantasies. And yet it turned out to be one of the most common problems we'd see in the subreddit. For me, transitioning is going to bring on its own set of big dick problems, but I'm excited to start this journey. Most of the people that Vice spoke to also reported facing body dysmorphia due to their penis size. Quote, what I consider average size genitals are actually gigantic for someone who's smaller in height and weight, said Andrew from Orlando in the U.S. The 37-year-old bodyguard is six feet and five inches tall. A few years ago, Andrew decided to shed some extra body weight, <clears throat> managing to drop close to 100 pounds. But when he got leaner, he noticed the relatively enormous size of his penis for the first time. Whoa. Quote, when I weighed 400 pounds, I was confused if it was actually big or if women were saying that just to be nice to me because, of my, because my dick seemed average size to me all these years, he said. If I were to get even leaner, my dick would look as massive as a porn star's. According to studies, the average American penis is six inches in length and five inches in girth. 
Quote, it's a bummer if my sex partner has a small vagina and I'm not able to climax because of it. The women often end up blaming themselves and that causes unneeded stress in the relationship. For 26-year-old Eric, a software engineer from the Dallas-Fort Worth area in the U.S., having a girthier base added to the body of dysmorphia. Quote, I was really confused about my size for the longest time, especially when it came to condoms, he said. I have a thicker, I have a thick base at 5.3 inches, but my length is at 5.6 inches, which is kind of average. Only when I checked my size on Calc CSD did I realize that girth matters too. Calc SD is an online condom size fit calculator that recommends condom condoms based on penis size. Hmm. The website also calculates penis size by percentile. Eric believed that he had a small penis for the longest time. And his insecurities grew deeper after seeing bigger dicks in porn videos and hentai. Quote, but this community has given me the chance to connect with people who are in the same position. And that's validating in a way, he said. Katya, a 25-year-old former cam model and transgender woman from Plano, U.S., found the subreddit while lurking online. As a trans woman, she was already dealing with body dysmorphia, but her penis size made it worse. Quote, waking up with random erections and dick bulges isn't a pleasant experience for a woman to go through. And it made my body dysmorphia worse, she said. Tucking, ways one can hide the penis and scrotum, was extremely painful and uncomfortable. I still had erectile uh, function even after starting hormone replacement therapy and undergoing surgery to remove my testes, which is extremely rare. A few months ago, Katya decided to get sexual reassignment surgery and say goodbye to her penis for good. I'm still recovering, but I can finally say I'm cured of big dick problems. Xi, hmm. a 28-year-old post-grad student from Monterey, U.S., first had big dick problems when he developed erectile dysfunction in his mid-20s. At seven inches in length, he often felt like he was being pushed out while having sex. Quote, Hitting the cervix felt really jarring and uncomfortable for me, he told Vice over email. <clears throat> Since erectile dysfunction medicines made his erections long-lasting, he just decided to get into amateur porn and start filming a bunch of videos. But he stopped soon after. Quote, I started getting requests to fuck other people's wives, and that got really fucking weird, he said. <laughs> the subreddit also helped members talk about the harassment and groping they faced due to their larger size. Quote, I get groped almost every time I pass through airport security, said Penelope. What? When your flaccid size is bigger than an average person's erect length, you may be seen as a pervert regardless of how you behave in much the same way way that women with large breasts are seen as more promiscuous, even though that doesn't make sense. Andrew recalls being sexually harassed in public spaces while working. Quote, I have had women non-consensually grab my penis and balls while working at bars or clubs, sometimes squeezing too hard and causing temporary discomfort, he told Vice over email. Fuck. The subreddit itself has faced harassment too. Penelope said members and moderators of the subreddit were targeted by slut-shaming accounts, and they were harassed for weeks. Quote, it got so bad members even... It got so bad that members, even some moderators, had to remove themselves from the subreddit. Man, oh man. Yeah, um... Keep your hands to yourself, folks. Several posts on the subreddit deal with being stereotyped about penis size due to someone's race. A young black man describes how he was asked if he had a BBC, which stands for Big Black Cock, even before he knew what it stood for. At the end of the day, members of the subreddit hope to spread awareness around big dick problems and the discomfort that it brings. 
Quote, the subreddit possibly saved my life, said G. I know better because this online community. If I didn't, I could have le- it could have led to an accidental pre- pregnancy or an STI due to condoms breaking on me. Mm. Holy smokes. <clears throat> Pretty interesting, eh? Yeah, definitely. It just goes to show. I mean, I, when we saw that video, when we were watching the movie today and 14 inches, my immediate, my immediate reaction was like, that. there's no way. That's a lie. <laughs> but you got to be careful about those those assumptions. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It it made me want to uh, I I want to so I went to Calc SD and um and size I'm, yourself? I'm very curious to size myself up. Yeah. And uh just to see where I stand in terms of like the the average. So it's cool they break it down global average. Uh the global average erect length is 5.50 inches. The western average is 5.67 inches. The eastern average is 5.21 inches. Um, and they, they, also, they also average it out from erect girth. Uh, average stretched length, flaccid length. Super interesting. You know, one of the most you know, common things, I've, we've probably heard one of those common like phrases we've probably heard in relation to sex is size doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's interesting because something I've been hearing just inkling of in the communities and sort of forums that we are exposed to and, and interested in is a new thought that makes complete sense to me that maybe we should popularize. And that is sex does not, I mean, sex doesn't have to involve an erect penis it doesn't have to center around an erect penis because i've heard i've heard some fellas in my life say like you know as soon as their dick's not getting hard anymore they're gonna start taking testosterone or they're gonna like that's like a immediate issue that they feel like they will need to deal with yeah and that's interesting and do what you got to do but also there is something underneath that that is that insinuates that the penis has to be hard to have pleasure, pleasurable experiences with it. And it's I, a bit of a misogynistic, I mean, and, and like a, not a, not a, not misogynistic in the, in the sense that it's meant to be. No, but it's like a, an, uh, it's old world yeah, thinking. Yeah. I old. mean, honestly, like I, <clears throat> you know, we fuck dude, we, we've been sent lots of products uh, from different companies and stuff and, um, you know, toys and, and lubes and fucking sprays. And, um, but one of the, one of the, one of the best things I ever did was, was purchasing, uh, a, a wand Mm. and a vibrate, a vibrator. Yeah. Vibrator. Mm -hmm. And, some of the best sex I've ever had had nothing to do with my, my dick. Mm. You know, some of the best sex I've ever had is just a byproduct of using a sex toy with a partner. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, using that, using a sex toy with like a lot of conversation and dialogue happening during the, the, the act of using it. Um, 
so I, you know, I don't know if there's anyone out there with a penis who's listening to this, who has that thought that like, especially anyone who has issues with erectile dysfunction. I mean, obviously 100% do the work that you need to do to try to alleviate and, and fix the ED. But for sure, if that's something that you're struggling with, buy fucking, buy some toys, buy some toys mm. and like get used to using those toys. It can be so fun. Mm. It can be, it can be so fun. It can be a massive turn on for you. The, the person who's not even using the toy, mm-hmm. you know, um, oh, fuck man, there's, there's nothing more fun than watching someone use a toy. Okay. Well then mind. also penis receivers, pe- people who like to receive yeah. the D. Yeah. Maybe just check in with any of those sort of underlying old, not very useful beliefs that you may be repeating to yourself or mm-hmm. in your partnership or to your friends inadvertently, you know, when the subject of sex comes in and any inadvertent, you know, shaming or over hyping the, I mean, I love a good hard D. I'm not going to lie. Sure. But I also, I like I'm not hard. And uh, mm-hmm. and I like things that have nothing to do with it. So, yeah, I think we just, we all have a sort of a responsibility. Not just not just in the moment where we're suffering from a, a disorder, but also just to like radically accept everybody around us whenever we have the opportunity. I've got a brain boner for you. Okay. <clears throat> um, and if you want to send in a brain boner, uh, turn me on podcast at gmail.com. Uh, send them in before we take our little hiatus. Um, we'd love to, we'd love to hit a couple more before uh, season two comes to a close. But, um, uh, here's my, here's my brain boner for you. On a first date, let's say things are going really well. You don't know this person very well, obviously. Do you think it's too forward on a first date to incorporate a sex toy like a vibrator in the in the first um, engagement with a new partner? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think my immediate thought on that is like they're toys. Um, maybe on our first date. I'm going over and I'm, and we're indulging with other toys. Maybe we're listening to records or watching movies or playing video games. These are all just types of pleasure sharing activities. So I don't see why not. I mean, I, yeah, if everyone's on board, seems reasonable enough. I don't think it's going to get in your way of, of having sex without toys down the road. Right. Um, yeah, I can't see any, any harm in it. But you, you don't think that there would be like maybe, uh, like, do you think that, I mean, obviously there's some people that would be like, fuck yeah, I'm super down. But then also there's, there's the other side of it where someone would be like, that's too weird for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, if you're going to, if you're heading toward the bedroom, if you know that's <clears throat> whether you're still at the bar or whatever, and you know, that's where you're going. I think that there's plenty of room and time to sort of flirt with the idea mm-hmm. yeah. of using toys out loud. Yep. You can gauge someone's interest interest by by that mm. for sure. Yeah, I I think we 
we've got a still a long way to go where yeah. where there's folks who will say like using a toy doesn't feel it just feels like unnatural like there's something in between mm. my ability to please someone and and their body and it's it's just like this robotic sort of thing i know and i've heard it and um i think when we hear those things from prospective partners we still we have to be really careful in those moments too to mm. not shame them for having those feelings but also and you're not even correcting them but also just like hearing it and not taking it to heart mm. you know those are i think those are also old i mean why i love that part in the in the documentary where the fella calls and says i want to i'm thinking about buying a vibrator mm. for my wife and she says would your wife use a vibrator and he, he says i don't know and she says would you like to see your wife use a vibrator and he says yes and she says buy the vibrator and go buy a vibrator <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um <clears throat> yeah maybe maybe we'll reach a time soon where it will feel really comfortable to present to yeah. bedroom toys i really think you know, it's an anti-capitalist counterculture move to say, <laughs> I don't need to consume expensive meals at a restaurant or be reliant on entertainment from the outside world because sex is a really nice way of <clears throat> passing time and a form of entertainment and mm. a form of play and it doesn't have to cost. Well, unfortunately... Um, birth control is still costs money for folks, but, mm. but maybe there'll be a day where that won't happen. That'll be nice and free too. Um, but perhaps there should, I mean, whether it's by yourself or with a partner, we should yeah. just embrace that as a really worthwhile way to spend our time. That is not, not consumer based. Yeah. Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break. 
BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The reason I asked that is because I, I saw uh, Kenzie Brenna's latest post today on Instagram. Okay. Um, was it was she posted a tweet from Dr. Lori Mintz. Um, and the, the tweet is, when masturbating, 95% of women orgasm. In first-time hookups with other women, they orgasm 64% of the time. In first-time hookups with men, they orgasm 7% of the time. This tells us that the problem isn't women's ability to orgasm. It's our cultural script for heterosexual sex. Mm. And when I read that, when I read that statement the first thing that came to my mind was like, I wonder how much of that percentage of like first time hookups with men Mm -hmm. would rise if the, if the normalcy of introducing sex toys in first time hookups became like, if that just became the norm, Mm -hmm. because like, I don't know. In my in my experience, in my past experience, including a toy in sex, whether that be with partners that I've been with for a long time or partners that I haven't been with for a long time, the chance of orgasm is cl- like, and this is all anecdotal. There's nothing to back this up, but the chance of orgasm is much has been much higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, uh, Jeremy and I don't spend our lives hooked up to uh, machines that uh, analyze and monitor our sex lives for <laughs> purposes of research for this podcast. But, no, no. Uh, we just don't have the budget for that. So no. uh, turn me on or patreon.com slash turn me on if you'd like to see us hooked up to uh, machines. I haven't used toys very often in my sexual encounters, but when I have, it's almost always been fun. A yeah. source, a source of oh, yeah. at least laughter and like play, if not mm-hmm. always you, m- reaching the point where it becomes a tool for accessing orgasm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it seems so civilized that we should just have adult toys yep. as a part of life enhancing. Yeah. I, Dr. Ruth didn't talk too much about her own, her own sex life, nope. but, uh, seemed to be quite clear that her message was that you can have good sex and fun sex into your, into your nineties. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> um, I guess that's our, just the tips for this week yeah. is watch, Find a way. ask Dr. Ruth. Um, because it is where it's, I mean, if it'll not, make you laugh, it'll make you yeah. cry. It's just such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, throw to this week's conversation. Again, it is with Lily Sparks, the founder of XO Afterglow. Uh, we hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, and uh, and also, uh, just a little tidbit here. Listen right through to the very end because 
uh, not only was it a great, a great conversation, but Lily actually offers uh, Turn Me On listeners a 14-day um, access code to XO Afterglow. Uh, so if you are interested in using the service, uh, you can get a little uh, test run. And, uh, and the, the promo code, I believe is turn me on, but, uh, just listen all the way through just in case I fucked that up. <laughs> um, this is our conversation with Lily Sparks. We love you all so much. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Um, especially our patrons, patreon.com slash turn me on where you can, uh, sign up for exclusive merch, uh, where you can watch the four play segments, uh, that we record or all of our host episodes. Um, and uh, we love you all, and we will see you on the other side. Well, let's see where the conversation takes us. Uh, Lily, why don't you why don't you f- start by giving us a little rundown on um, on your creation, which is Afterglow? Uh, what is Afterglow? What's it all about? What's its What's its mo? Yes. So at Afterglow, we are merging porn and sexual wellness. Hmm. And our mission is really to inspire great sex. So the reason that I started Afterglow is because I was in a relationship with my high school sweetheart and we got together when we were 15 and we were together until we were 30. And um, during that time, I was also like a successful entrepreneur. I was running, you know, a million dollar business, but in my personal life, I couldn't figure out how to have good sex because we were each other's, you know, first and only partners. Like we didn't, we didn't know anything, you know, and there just weren't any resources that were available out there to really, that I, that I was aware of to learn how to like the communication, you know, the different exercises, like all of these things, it just like, it wasn't there. And there was so much shame around just even saying like, I want to have better sex because mm. you feel like something's wrong with you. And I think that, you know, when I was in this place, one of the places I tried to turn to and, and the way that I think many people really learn what sex looks like is through porn. Yeah. So when thinking about, you know, how do I help inspire great sex? I think one of the best ways to start is to get people where they're already going. I mean, 98% of the population has used porn within the past six months. Right. So that's why Afterglow decided to start with porn. But we really are coming at it from this perspective of trying to help people have a really positive experience on our website. I almost want it to feel like you're going to a yoga class, you know, like you come out and you feel really good about yourself and you feel really good about what you've done. Mm. Whereas like the traditional porn watching experience, a lot of times we, 
you know, it's kind of like secretive and you like clear your cache and like you do your thing and then you slam your computer down and like push it away from you and pretend you never did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, that's, that's the version of going into the, the back room at the video store and making sure no one sees you walk in that beaded curtain um, and, and like, you know, very, very sketchily walking out with a, a DVD in your hand and, and not, not, not wanting to be seen by anyone that you actually fucking know in the small town that you're from. Not that exactly. I had any experience with that. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically what Afterglow is, is we're a site that has, um, porn and sexual wellness exercises. So we have guided masturbations. Mm. We have articles from sex therapists and from amazing sex educators in the space. So when you go, you might go to watch a video, but then we have these kind of pleasure journeys of content. So then you might get kind of sucked into doing, you know, you might see a, a video that centers around cunnilingus, and then you might see that there's a really awesome partner cunnilingus exercise that I really, really recommend, by the way. <laughs> and you're able to take what you see and kind of apply that to your real life and apply it towards having better sex. Hmm. It's funny because like, you know, we, I feel like, especially on this podcast, we've had the conversation a lot in the past where there, there tends to be this, um, this notion or belief that porn is, has, has become this, um, this form of sexual education that is, that is sort of vilified and, Mm -hmm. and looked at as like a really poor uh, place to to gain uh, an education when it comes to sex, and I I get that I totally understand that, but but I but I also feel like there is I don't think it's as black and white. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I think that depending on who you are and the way that you're using porn as your like source for whether that be whatever inspiration or 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 you know your own like sexual um, exploration or your own sexual sort of awakening. Um, but I, but I totally understand the, the notion of like, you know, a 15, a 16 year old boy, a 17 year old boy using porn as his, as his like key form of sex education is probably not going to turn out to be great. Right. Um, and, and I, I, I was that 16 year old, 17 year old boy at one point. Um, so it, it is, it's very interesting that you saw, that you saw this, this, like this gap where, where porn, like it, did you see it that way when, when you were starting Afterglow, like where you were seeing that, yes, porn is this tool that we can use. However, it's not, it, there's a, there's a better way to utilize it or a better way to like put it into practice. Yeah, I think that um, kind of before I started Afterglow, one of my big things was like, I really wanted to like porn and I really Mm. wanted to be able to find porn that I liked and that represented my fantasies, but I didn't see it. And so I was like, why is there like, you know, there's rule 34, there's so much porn out there. Like, how come I can't find any porn that I like that represents my fantasies? Um, Mm. That was that was kind of the initial spark. And I think, you know, I think you're right. I think the biggest thing wrong with porn is really the shame and the stigma that we have around watching it. But I think a lot of it was designed, you know, for 
you know, kind of a quick fix, you know, it's like, we, we want a really low effort way to be turned on and to like tap into our sexual self. And I think Mm. porn is very effective at that. Mm -hmm. It's not effective at maximizing the pleasure from our sexual experiences Mm. or it's not designed. It's not designed for that. It's not designed for that. Yeah. Right. Did you, um, was this something, so like you were talking about the relationship that you had Mm -hmm. that, that, that you were having a hard time with like, you know, finding your own sexual or sexual exploration within, um, did afterglow start after that relationship or like, was this like within, within that relationship? It, it started like the idea was kind of like very nascent during that relationship, but kind of in the place of like, well, I want to be able to share with my partner, you know, porn that I like, but I can't really find that. And then after the relationship, I started really exploring sexually myself in new ways and realizing that a lot of it just had to do with like me not knowing my own body and me not having been through some of the, like me not having put the focus on that, Mm -hmm. on the exploration. And so that's kind of how it became more than just like, I wish there was cool porn. It's really about, and I think like, I think a lot of women like myself included, like, you know, I'm a feminist, you know, I'm sex positive, but then when you get down like a couple layers deeper, you know, I still have all these hangups around sex that we have that have just been put on us from our culture. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to help women really become their fully expressed sexual selves. Cause I think that adds so much, um, like fulfillment to our lives. Like we are sexual creatures and, you know, a lot of society says that you can't be that, you know, it's like kind of the Madonna horror complex. Like you can't do that and be, you know, a successful businesswoman. You can't do mm. that and, you know, kind of do all these other things in society. Mm. I love this idea of this hub because of, uh, because like, like you said, porn is like a really quick way. If I, if, if I'm feeling super distracted and I like, I don't have the patience or the time to dive into my imagination or to sit and read some like erotic literature or whatever, then porn will almost always get my, get me, it'll, it goes like zero to, you know, like 70, let's say it takes me part way. And then I love the idea that like, while you're there and you're turned on, you, you don't, it doesn't have to all be about like climaxing. You can, you can be a little turned on. You can scroll mm-hmm. through this like information that is like, you know, talking someone through cunnilingus is, is a kind of a soft core turn on as well. So you can kind of prolong it. It reminds me of those afternoons when you first start dating someone where you're just like, you're in bed for hours and you're just like mm. never climaxing, but you're just basking in it. I, I like this this idea of this hub where you can, you can do that on your own all, all afternoon perusing sex content interspersed with, with some porn. I love yeah. That. I love that analogy. What was your, like, can we talk about your personal exploration into finding your, you know, your, you finding who you are as a sexual being after, after leaving this very yeah. long-term relationship? Like how, you know, 15 years, um, uh, that's a long time. And so, you know, you're like, you're in your thirties, you get out of this relationship. 
what was the Are you 15? Are you 15 now like after you break up? <laughs> yeah, Are you 15 yeah, again right. and like starting Ooh. back at basics? Yeah, it it was really funny honestly to be like effectively single for the first time at age 30. Cuz I you know, to a certain extent I did know who I was, you know, I had matured. But then there were there were just some really basic dating things that I had to learn that, you know, in some respects, I was still 15. Like what? Um, just like. I think a lot of it was around like knowing what I wanted from a relationship and like, like I didn't know how to date. Like, I just mm. literally did not know how to date, like going um, like how to tell if like people were interested in me or not like that little dance you have of like, yeah. like I remember um, like I was, I was like talking to a guy at um, like a, a, um, a party and then like all of a sudden he kissed me and I'm like, Whoa, I can, I can do that now. This isn't wrong. Like this is okay. Mm. <laughs> I I feel like, I feel like, um, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that experience. Like, I feel like anytime, I don't know, maybe, maybe maybe I'm, maybe I'm just like in the same boat, but I feel like anytime you get out of a a relationship that you've been in for a while, that feeling of getting back into the dating scene is like, it feels like you are, it feels like you, you've just been like dropped off in the middle of the ocean. Like you're, you're on this cruise ship and they're like, all right, cool. This is your stop. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 what? And then you're just tossed in the ocean. It's like, here you go. Like, here's a little life raft and good luck. Like find your way back to shore. And it's, it's sort of overwhelming again. Yeah. Like you don't really, it's like, man, do it like, do I remember, do I remember like how to, how to pick up these cues? Um, what's, what is, what can I do? What can't I do? Like it, it is, it's very, it's a very daunting process. Yeah. But I mean, and even after- like, what do you like and what do you not like in a person? And you're like, you know, you, you kind of have this cool opportunity to explore and to like kind of try on new things and new aspects of your personality and be mm. like, maybe, you know, like you date somebody who likes rock climbing and you're like, well, maybe I really like rock climbing. And I just like never was exposed to it before. And then also realizing like what you don't like and what you're kind of like not willing to, to put up with. And, and mm. um, I'd never really done that before. So in making, in like, in the process of making Afterglow, um, you know, I, I take it it's, it, it, you, th- there's, there's a lot of folks that are contributing that know a lot of shit about the shit that they know about. And, and so like, how much of it for you was this like sort of eye-opening experience of going, whoa, whoa, fuck, I never, I never thought about that. Or like, that's new. I've never tried that. Or, um you know, what, what were like some of the early things that you were really taking away from that process of starting, starting the, the, the company? Yeah. So, um, when I started Afterglow, I knew absolutely nothing about the adult industry. I knew nobody who was in the industry and I knew nothing about filmmaking. I'd never made a video in my life. So I came in as a really big outsider, really trying to learn. And one of the biggest things for me was learning how many misconceptions there are around the porn industry. Mm. I think 
one big one was, I think we have this kind of idea that anybody can be a porn star, you know, like, oh, if things go really bad for me, I can just like do porn and make a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, um, right. And I learned yeah. that, you know, kind of like if you want to have the best accounting, you generally don't hire somebody who's never done accounting before. <laughs> it's exactly the same with porn. Like if you want to make high quality porn, like it's a skill and you have to hire people who are experienced at doing that. And it really is a skill and a craft just like any other skill or craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Brady, were you, I, were you just about to I, I will. I was thinking about how, this, like um, how you came into creating Afterglow. And I was thinking, I was just laughing to myself that there's a, there's a lot of similarities of like us creating Termion because it was just an absence of information that mm. we were like, let's collect some information <laughs> and make it shareable. And um, it just, it's just so funny that I, I wonder how many other people, how many other projects that are sex related that have come out of our, especially our generation who are just like, I think I need to make a project about this. Like this is a, a clear deficiency, but it's really neat. It's really neat to see and, and hear. Mm. Um, I'm wondering like how long has Afterglow been a thing? Are you still like launching it or in the middle of it or have you moved on so it started basically right like i started doing it basically right when coronavirus hit oh shit. Um, wow yeah it became kind of my coronavirus project and so that was like march and then we filmed our first video in september so that whole time was really like you know research and learning and and like trying to figure out like how the frick do i do this uh, and then in February, so just about four months ago, uh, was when we launched the site. Okay. Mm. We actually launched it on Valentine's Day. Nice. Cute. And we have five Afterglow films and um, over 50 licensed films from other partners who we just love their work and think it's really aligned with kind of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to create. Are the, are the films like full length like feature length films they're most of them are shorter they're around like 15 ish minutes because that's how long people usually stick around <laughs> yeah I, I I know that from experience <laughs> yeah do you like how do you source your how do you source the the talent um you know like is it it do you are you searching are you searching like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. How do you source the talent? Yeah. So it's cool. It's one of those things where like once I got into the industry, I realized it's a lot smaller than you think. And so you start to get to know people and you start to see like who's in their films. And a, a lot of it honestly is through Twitter, which is mm -hmm. one of the few platforms that's slightly more allowing of, you know, sex conversations, which Instagram and Facebook are really not. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the kind of like communication and, and recruitment can kind of start through Twitter, but a lot of it, you know, we, there's really cool indie porn festivals. Like there's a, a Berlin porn festival, there's hump fest with Dan Savage. Um, there's San Francisco porn film festival. So look at those, kind of find the films we like, 
get to meet other producers, get to know who some of the actors are. And that's a lot of how we find our talent. Mm, cool. You, you mentioned earlier that there's a re- that something about like a really fun, uh, like oral mm-hmm. exercise. Right, can you can you elaborate on that? Can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. I'm really happy to talk about it because I want everybody to do it. Yeah. Okay. Great. Sweet. <laughs> it's um, yeah. It's it's both. It's for both partners, and both partners are being given instructions, and it's like an audio track. So you kind of just play it, you know, as you're starting to get warmed up, and it's slow, and it's really nice because I think. From my perspective, I'm going to go with my perspective as like the receiver of oral sex in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, number one is it's really easy for me to get in my head of like, am I taking too long? You know, what's happening? And like, because of the angles, a lot of times I don't really know what my partner is doing to me necessarily. And so when they ask, like, what do you like? I don't always know how to answer that question. Mm. And so what's really cool about this exercise is you hear what instructions your partner is being given. And so then you know kind of what they're doing to you and what it is that you like. And it just kind Mm. of gives you, like, I think a lot of the problems with like kind of giving feedback is like, we don't even necessarily have the language to, to tell people. And so this really helps give you and your partner like this shared language to communicate about what you're enjoying and what you're not enjoying. Mm. Yeah. Cause you could be like, Hey, I don't, you're flicking me. And they're like, I'm not flicking you. I'm, I'm, I'm lapping you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. Well, if that's what you call lapping, I don't particularly enjoy lapping. (laughs) Try flicking. (laughs) I, I think that's I think that's really uh, I I definitely think that's valuable because like there have been I, I one of the articles that uh, that I read on the website was about like feeling more comfortable uh, giving or receiving oral sex and there was a, an interesting um, uh, I'll just read it here a study done in 2016 by the Journal of Human Sexuality. On people identifying as cis and heterosexual found that 25% of women said that they'd given but never received oral sex compared to only 10% of men. But they also found that more than half of men found it very pleasurable to give oral sex, with less than a third of women saying the same about giving oral sex to men. And Mm. that was something that I found not so surprising because the amount of times that I've been in relationships where... Like I, I love giving oral sex. I love it. It's, it's very fun. Um, but what takes the fun out of it is, is feeling like my partner isn't into the idea of receiving oral sex, Yeah. which, which like I, which I know that for maybe for some people, they just like actually fucking hate it. And totally I, that I understand, but if you don't like it because you just you're you're in your head about it too much or mm-hmm. or you don't know how to communicate what you like or what you don't like, it makes that and, process and really think, hard like, to there's a lot of, you know, like again to like the cultural like imprinting of like, oh, like, you know, body confidence, like do does it look weird? You know, yeah. do do they actually like it? I think there's a lot of hangups around like 
just the, the body, like being with a partner and being like that exposed to them. Mm, yeah. 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 It's I'm, I, I love that idea of like, a, like sort of a guided meditation on, on going down on someone, you know, like that's, that, that seems, that seems useful. What, what has been some of the feedback that you've, you've received? I mean, again, it's so early, um, but I'm sure you've, you've heard from some folks that have been using the the site and what, what has been their, their reaction so far? We have gotten amazing feedback on the site. I mean, we've had people say like, that they've been able to open up more to their partners and just have like, you know, now they're like, now I send porn to my partner and then we get to like watch it together. And then we talk about it afterwards. And it's like, I wouldn't have felt comfortable like expressing, you know, this fantasy or like that fantasy to them if I didn't have afterglow, if I didn't have this platform. Um, And just people feeling more open to like, you know, more confident in their sexual selves, more like, starting, I call them like a pleasure ritual. Like people have used afterglow to really start, like they're like, now I prioritize like my pleasure. And now I prioritize like taking, you know, 15 minutes a day to really take care of myself, whether that's like personal masturbation practice or, you know, watching a video on afterglow or doing, you know, a lot of times, um, people have said, you know, if I, if I have 15 minutes and then I want to go to bed, I'll just watch a video. But then, you know, on the weekends, I have more time. It's so awesome to like do a guided masturbation. And I feel like I'm really able to get into my body more. And like, even people have said it helps them deal with like sexual trauma that they've had Mm. to do some of these exercises, which Mm. is, is so cool. And so awesome. Are most of the videos meant to be watched as a couple or are they meant to be watched on like on your own? And then you know, take what you've learned and, and, and go, go incorporate that into your, your sex life. Yeah. I think it's whatever floats your boat. I think it's good both ways. It just, you know, people have different comfort levels of, you know, what they're open to currently. And, you know, sometimes you have a partner and sometimes you don't, and that I think can change your, um, what you're looking for out of a platform like this. Mm. How has your, what's your personal sex life now? Like, like, have you, has it changed much? I I mean, COVID COVID's kind of, I think really put a damper on a lot of people's sexual lives in general, but like has with the, the, with the launch of the, the project, like, has it, have you noticed a change in your own sexual awakening? Yeah. Like 10,000%. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I think that, Part of me is like when I was dating more, you know, I felt a lot of like, oh my goodness, like what are people going to, what are, what are guys going to think about me as this like porn CEO? Like, are they just going to think that I'm going to hop into bed with them and like be like super freaky and crazy and out there? And like, I, I actually consider myself um, pretty vanilla, like heterosexual cis woman. Um, and so there, there was like that kind of pressure, which I think made me hesitant. But um, I also kind of had the feeling of like, you know, I as the CEO and founder need to like live up to these things that I'm saying to people and like really embody <laughs> it. And I can't, you know, like, because if not, I feel like that kind of comes across through the product. So I was like, okay, like I have to like, like I, at times I feel like I've, I've built Afterglow for myself. 
So I'm like, I really have to take this and embody all of these things that I'm learning. And so it's been a huge, fun learning experience for myself. Mm. And um, about recently, about six months ago, I, I started dating somebody um, exclusively and it's been really fun. Like I just have so much more open communication about like our wants, our desires, like so it's, it's unlocked like a whole new world and it's been really fun to like put into practice all the things I feel like I've been working on myself. And even with a partner, I still feel like it's, it's still important to have my own personal practice and still important for me to develop personally and not just feel like the only reason to have sex is like with a partner. Mm. That's, I've been thinking about that a lot lately and just like imagining that if I, if it was just me and it was only me all the time, would I, would I still sort of tap into this energy for my personal, for personal reasons? And when I kind of started asking that question, I also started masturbating way more Mm. and being like, Oh, this is actually like a really effective, uh, it's like taking a vitamin. It's like taking a daily vitamin. Totally. I'm deficient in sexual uh, energy. It's kind of nice to like, you know, have all those, you know, crazy chemicals, you know, oxytocin and serotonin that like happen when you masturbate and like kind of funnel that into like, you know, some, some kind of like a personal intention, like self-love or like Mm -hmm. creative, like a lot of people say it like really helps them unlock creativity in their lives and, you know, just kind of become a more like happy Zen person um, throughout the day. Yeah. I've been hearing it. we got to get, we got to get someone on the pod. Jeremy may disagree, but we should get someone on the podcast to talk. I'm seeing the phrase and this is so funny. I'm going to laugh. We're going to laugh so hard about this and like, well, maybe not. It's uh, uh, calling it, um, like using that, using that energy to like, like in a witchy kind of way. Are you, are you talking about sex magic? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. But I, I, I was, I know I was, I can't see Jeremy's face and I'm just dying to see it at that. <laughs> yes. Sex magic. So I'm not going to lie. Like I'm masturbating and I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, what do I want? <laughs> I bought a lottery ticket. I mean, I think that's black magic. That's like that's like dark magic. You gotta you gotta use your positive magic. Wait, what the fuck is sex magic? What are we what are we talking about here? Is this a, is this a, is this a practice that I'm that I just don't know about? <clears throat> yeah, it's out there. It's happening. Where Do pe- tell people are well. I don't know much about it, but we know we have friends who work in in sort of the coaching of of sex uh, magic. Of sex magic, yeah. We have friends that. Coach sex magic? Yeah, we do. We got to talk about this off air. Who, who the fuck are these friends? I need, I need, look, I have a tarot deck now. So I, so I'm, I am totally for the sex magic. That's true. <clears throat> I think I need, I think what I, what, like on a personal note, I think I need, and Lily, I, I don't know if you can speak to this. Maybe you can. Um, it, it sounds like it's perhaps something that's like up your alley, but I, I think I need a, I need a, uh, I need to find a new relationship to masturbation. I need to find a new relationship to like to self pleasure because right now I feel like I'm I use masturbation as a as one of two things either a, like a, a habitual 
um, need to like to release where it's like, oh, if I didn't do that once today, like it's I, like, I'm not going to feel good mm-hmm. or it's out of boredom where I'm like, I'm fucking bored. I'm going to jerk off because I got, I got time to kill. And, and, but, but I don't like that. Like, like when I'm done, I'm like, oh, fuck. God, I feel so like. Still bored. I, I feel so used by me. You know, like I feel like I used myself. And, and the habitual thing, too. I don't like that either. Because it's like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to feel like I have to do this thing. Just because just just to just to like check a box for the day. So I think I need to like I need to find a, um, I need to find a new relationship to self-pleasure that maybe actually comes from more of a place of like play. Yeah. And like, well, like, like wellness, you know, like, like self care as opposed to, I don't know, just some robotic, like, all right, let's, let's oh, about to go to bed. I guess we should jerk off, you know, so I can like actually get some sleep. Um, do well, you- I highly recommend our guided masturbations on exoafterglow.com. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. This is it then. This is this is the this is the but like like what is like what are what are some of the things that that exist out there to you know if if someone was listening right now and they're like I feel the same fucking way. I just I just I just get myself off just to get myself off and there there really isn't much behind it other than that like what are some of the things that people can consider that maybe they they haven't considered or aren't considering when it comes to self-pleasure yeah I think that's a really good question for me what helped was like develop like kind of making it a intentional practice and part of that was about developing awareness and about like intentionally trying new things. Cause a lot of times you're just, you know, when you're in that place, I feel like you have your routine and you're just kind of like routine, 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 same thing, same thing. You're not like trying new positions, even with yourself. You're not like, you're not like kind of challenging yourself. Like, Oh, can I like, maybe I'll edge myself. Maybe I'll last try to do this like longer. Maybe I'll start by like giving myself caressing touches and, Mm. you know, like you're just, not really incorporating any newness or any like play into it. Right. Try getting yourself, babe, next time, next time, uh, try just not touching your penis for as long as you can. Right. Yeah. It's not so hard. <laughs> it's not so hard. But you know, it's funny. Maybe you should have to work a little harder for it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of just instead of just taking yourself this, for granted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that's that is an interesting thought. Like the the thought of like like positions. Like that's not that's something that's not something that I've ever really thought about. Um, and like, do you do you think though that it's di- like it's di- and not to make this so so gendered, but like, do you think that there's there's it's harder for guys to find to find that, or is that just my fucked up like preconceived notion <clears throat> of what like of like when I imagine uh, a female laying down to pleasure themselves versus a, a a male? So this is like not a scientific study at all, but I was talking to some of the Afterglow customers, and one of the questions I was asking was like, "What are your like? How do you feel about sex?" And some of the multiple choice answers were like, what's not to like? And another one was like, I like it when I'm in the mood. And 
we have a lot of male customers at Afterglow that love the product. And basically almost all of the guys said, what's not to like? And almost all of the women said, I like it when I'm in the mood. Mm. So I feel like mm. for guys, it's just a little bit easier to like have that routine and like fall into that pattern and just that works. You know, I think that just works for a lot of guys, you know, it's mm. not like there's anything wrong with it necessarily. It's like, that's, that's what, that's fulfilling the need. Whereas I think sometimes women, we need a little bit more to fulfill that same need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it doesn't mean that guys can't like that, that there's not more to explore mm. for mm-hmm. men as well. <clears throat> Get outside the box a little bit. Dad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Your homework, your homework assignment. Maybe I think my homework assignment is just to not, is to, is to see how long I can go without pleasuring myself and just see what that, how that feels for a little bit. Maybe just talk sweetly to yourself for a few nights in a row. I need, I definitely need some <laughs> With of some that. some gentle caresses. I definitely need some of that right now. I need some <laughs> more positive talk to myself for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's next? Can, yeah. can I ask? Yeah. You, you, it sounds like you've always been an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that in your relationship. Do you feel like, um, afterglow is, is like, we're going to see how far we can get this or do you, do you feel like you'll probably, it'll probably run its lifespan and then your creative brain will want something else? Yeah. I want to be doing this for like at least the next 10 years. Okay. Like this is the thing that I've always wanted to do. And I am so thankful that I get to do it. And I, I have no idea where it goes. I mean, I think we, I have a really big vision about becoming the, the place for sex on the internet. Cause like right now, like where, where do you go to find out about sex? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like most people go to like Pornhub or maybe like a sex store to learn about it, but there's not really like a hub. And Mm. so our goal is to be the hub for people to have all of these resources and to kind of find out what they need, what they want to know and what they need to know and to become, you know, more, more fulfilled sexually. Mm. And, and it sucks because there's so many, we're so just sex. The topic of sex is so discriminated against on the internet that Mm you know, I feel there's really a need for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when it comes to porn. Yeah. You know, like that word porn has so much weight to it. And it is, it is a very, like I said earlier, it is a very like vilified industry, you know? Yeah. And it yeah. seems like an uphill battle, but, uh, but it also seems like Afterglow is, is kind of headed in the right direction. So I'm and excited. Even like, like sex, sex educators are like shut down from Instagram all the time just for yeah. like, always. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like where, you know, I want to be that place where everybody who's getting discriminated against can go. And it's like, Hey, but here's where we can talk about sex. Cause that deserves to have a place in our society. Mm. How can people find afterglow? How can people stay up to date with the, with the content that you folks are putting out? Yeah. So, um, we are, our website is xoafterglow.com and any listeners of your podcast, I would love to give them a free 14 day trial. If they sign up using code 
Turn Me On. Woo! Nice. Um, they can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We are at XO Afterglow. Awesome. Awesome. Lily, thank you so much. This has been really fun. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to uh, utilizing <laughs> the website to uh, to empower myself a little bit more when it comes to self pleasure. Thank you. This has been really yeah. Great. We're we're gonna have to check back and see how your masturbation routine is going. That's in a right. Little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I'm, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be a part of the discussion in the coming weeks. <laughs> sex, awesome. sex magic you. for the win. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. There you have it, folks. That was our conversation with Lily Sparks. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, uh, and yeah, we, we love you all. We're so excited that you've been joining us on this journey, however long you've been with us. Uh, Patreon.com slash on if you want to support the podcast any mm-hmm. further. Uh, otherwise, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the follow button on Spotify. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, we'd like to um, just send a special... Shout out to those of you who have joined our Patreon in the last week. Um, We are so grateful and we are headed towards our goal. So if you're still on the fence about, about, about buying us a coffee a month, um, just, just know that, uh, that these thank yous come from the absolute bottom of our hearts. We're so grateful to this week to Elizabeth, Helene, Lexi, and Ellen, and also our sweet patrons who have upped their tiers. Um, you know who you are. It's Allie, Taylor, and Ryan. And we are just blown away by mm. your kindness. Thank so you for touched. your support. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, that is it for this week, folks. Until next week. Go touch yourself. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.